is Show Notes, the podcast for performance with Emily Edwards. Well, um, I've hit record so I can edit this little bit out. But I'd really love to hear about the initiative that you guys have created in response to this crisis. Can you sort of outline it a bit for us? Yeah, so ART um, stands for Artist Relief Tree. Um, It's essentially an initiative to help artists have money to live because of so many thousands of dollars and euros and whatever else kind of money there is um, have been lost by... um, by so many artists and so what we're trying to do is say hey we can't help you for everything but here's $250 all you need to be is an artist and the goal being that we can support you to help you pay rent to help you buy groceries to help you put gas in your car to pay off a utility bill like we know that $250 isn't going to change your world but $250 is a large enough number that it can significantly make your life a little bit easier, especially in this interim where we don't know what's happening and we're waiting for government action and and so on and so forth. So that's really like the main, the main purpose. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And how did you guys, who, who are the people behind it? So there's three of you, right? Yeah. So, um, so it was originally started by um, Morgan Brophy, who works at Wolf Trap Opera in the United States, um, and uh, Andrew Crooks, who is actually a Kiwi from New Zealand, who uh, works at Lawrence University. And I think they were sitting there watching all this kind of happen as in the United States, people kept getting canceled and thousands of dollars were being lost by, by artists and opera singers primarily. And they were like, well, we need to do something about this. And so they join forces knowing that they have jobs that are stable. He's a teacher. She works in administration. So they felt like, okay, we're in a safe place to make it do something and make a difference. That's fascinating so that they, they were outside of the arts. That's really interesting to me. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, they realized that it was really important. And uh, it's really impressive that they were aware that that might become something that people would need. Um, because when I first saw it, I was like, oh, wow, what is this? And uh, I myself applied simply because I lost even church jobs, you know, gone. And that's Mm -hmm. like a a half of my income in between gigs. So um, the next day after I applied, the next day they asked me if I wanted to come on board. And so they rallied together a group of of four others. So we're a total of six. And we're the core of the group now. Um, And yeah, we are just working together to every day to try and make sure that we're able to provide. And, you know, we've raised, I think as of today, we've raised $246,000, maybe wow. a little bit less, a little bit more. Um, and the goal has just constantly changed. It started at $10,000. And so I think once they saw that it was going to hit $10,000, the two of them were like, oh, we should probably figure this out because this might get hard to manage which is two of us and then literally over the weekend i think we amassed some i think seventy thousand dollars in the first weekend 
Wow. Um, and it's just continued to grow. Yeah. And how does that, I mean, a few questions come to mind, but for anyone considering fundraising or anything like that, I mean, first of all, I'd suggest if they have something to give that they can give to this because it's, it's so well kind of managed and um, kind of administered, I guess, um, for those kind of immediate kind of crisis relief uh, monies. Uh, but if someone is thinking about kind of creating a fundraiser, what are the practical elements that you guys kind of encountered when you started going, wow, we're going to get a bit of money here. How do you bring it in and send it out and hold it and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, well, the first thing we noticed was that, you know, you really should have a separate bank account for it. Of course, there's uh, there's tax issues if it gets to be too high of a money uh, a money level. And so that was something that, that had to be discussed. And we worked with um, Tiffany Soricelli, who runs Virtuoso. Um, uh, my gosh. She uh, she runs like a specific thing for singers, actually, which is amazing. Mm. You can find her on Facebook. But um, she's very good and well-versed in the arts. So she came on board to help us with that. Um, uh, Facebook versus like GoFundMe versus some other donation thing. I think they went with Facebook. Um, and the, the only issue with Facebook is that it holds funds for five years. Yeah, I was going to say and that. So, and they kind of have it in yeah. this holding so, pen. Thankfully, yeah. I think we're past that point. But every time, every time a new fund comes in, there's a delay. And I think all of them operate this way. Um, so we've just had to make sure that, you know, it's just like a stacking process. So we're, we're you know, also with PayPal, sending sending large amounts of transfers is, is a better idea for a fund that's gotten this big. And so we've also had to encounter the problem with, like, PayPal algorithm and, like, you know, making sure that it doesn't think that it's you're a robot so it doesn't yeah. always let you so there's a lot of like behind the scenes stuff that i don't really necessarily know about but i do yeah. hear that um in our meetings that it's it's kind of complicated and, and it becomes a little bit difficult when you have that kind of money passing through these systems that are are you know specifically built to make sure that there's no theft or anything like that so yeah um those are the two biggest things that i would say it's just that like you know, anybody can start. And I think like, as long as you have a good idea and, and you have like the good spirit to like want to help people, I think that that's enough to start. And then the rest of it, you kind of just figure out as you go. Like we have, I mean, we're in phase two now and we, we've become like multinational mm. and uh, we have our core group. And then we have a group in Berlin. We have a group in New York. We have a group in, you know, uh, Amanda Palmer has been helping us out oh, a lot. I love that woman. Yeah, I mean, she really, she really helped us, and you know that led to a lot of positive feedback and a lot of positive endorsements from George R. R. Martin, Annie DeFranco, Regina Spector, Ben Folds. Oh Neil my Gaiman. God! So, I think with that, that's kind of helped us open up to a whole new world, and mm. uh, and we're just really excited because, you know, three thousand five hundred people applied, mm. and. Right now, I think we have about enough funding for uh, probably about 800 or 800 plus people. So that's why we raised the cap to a million dollars, so that we could really just make sure that we're able to hit everybody on the on the list. And then we also have a wait list of another 3,000 people. So I mean, this isn't going to end anytime soon. You know, yeah. we want to commit. We we, we want to commit to doing what we set out to do. And I'm grateful that we've been able to even do some of what we're doing. So. 
um, yeah, it's exciting. It's it's exciting. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. yeah. In terms of the um, the kind of getting getting support and getting publicity, um, how did that kind of come about? Was it just luck that someone saw a shared post, or was there a kind of um, a deliberate kind of marketing um, intention? We've been lucky because um, I think once it picked up steam and once it uh, sort of went viral, so to speak, um, a few Broadway producers uh, picked up on it mm. um, and they kind of helped us get some traction in the, in the New York scene and um, then some PR people that represent opera singers um, have been helping with, you know, get, getting in touch with newspapers and mm. connecting with... Um, you know, kind of the information highway so that we could really take off. I don't know how the um, Amanda Palmer thing really took off. I know that, you know, she's in New Zealand and Andrew is in New Zealand right now. And so I think he reached out to her people, but don't quote me on that. Um, And it just sort of, she liked it, I'm pretty sure. And and things just kind of took off from there. And so now we're in an interesting position where we're starting to prepare for Act 3 or Phase 3 and, and, um, and what that looks like as we continue to raise funds. And there's, there's been a lot of, you know, I've written, I've written to anybody and everybody. You know, I've written to Trevor Noah. I've written to Jimmy Fallon's people. I've written to Stephen Colbert's people. You know, anybody that wants to pay attention, um, I've written to. And uh, I think that that's, right now we're in a period where we need the most amount of shares so that it can get the most amount of donations. Yeah. Um, because we also want to keep it grassroots and keep it something that, you know, was made by six of us, by two of us, and then and then four others, to sort of really um, hold on to the fact that like it's 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 really about artists helping artists and not yeah. about you know uh, celebrity. Although celebrity helps obviously to get in certain doors. Mm. I think that's what's really powerful about it is that it feels like, and like a whole bunch of other initiatives and groups and communities that I've seen, it feels like in a way whatever kind of silver lining of this really um, terrible situation, it feels like artists are beginning to take back the ownership of whether it be their art or their community or their communication. Like I imagine the idea of like emailing Jimmy Fallon's people about something like that may not, I mean, I might just be totally making this up, but that may not have crossed your mind. Like, three months ago that you would be doing that. Like, I think it seems to have broken down barriers of people being like, we're going to share because this is important or we're going to create this group because this is important. And suddenly, like, the connection feels so urgent that we're all kind of dropping stuff that seemed to prevent us from doing that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It does, you know, and it's interesting because... Uh, you know, on top of being an act singer, opera singer, I'm also a voice actor, and, and a lot of what I do is direct marketing, and a lot of what I do is reaching out to companies or people specifically within companies, and usually cold emailing, and um, and you know, there's a whole science behind a cold call and what it looks like and how you do it, but with this, every time I I lead with this, and every time I reach out to exactly, there's a certain like. Who would say no? Mm-hmm. You know, who, who wouldn't want to be a part of something like this? And it, it does. I think. I think what it's sort of this whole awful mess is sort of. I think allowed people to drop 
at least one or two layers of the yeah. wall of, of vulnerability and protection that we carry every day out of necessity or out of habit. And I think, I think this particular thing has, has allowed us to maybe communicate in a more intimate, immediate way. Um, and I do think that there is a reclaiming of, of ownership and a reclaiming of power where a lot of artists give up their power. I've given up my power. I'm, I'm sure you've given up your I power. Feel, yeah. We've all given yeah. up some sort of semblance of like what's ours and our self-esteem in order to book the gig or, or get the job or whatever. And I think, I think recognizing and having this period of like loss and trying to collectively understand it, I think is leading to more honest conversations and leading to more genuine interaction and appreciation. And um, anyway, I'm ranting. I've got goosebumps. I have goosebumps. Yes, it's exactly how I feel. It's exactly how I feel. I just feel... Yeah, we're having more honest conversations. I mean, that was for me the point of starting this podcast um, is to make space for the open conversation, you know, the honest conversations. But I just feel like everyone, that there's just no other option anymore because so much of us are in pain or suffering for a multitude of reasons. And the only antidote we have to that, it's like Brene Brown saying, like, the antidote to shame is like, I forget what she says, but it's basically like antidote to shame is like communication and and vulnerability, basically. And I feel like we're doing that collectively as a group of artists, like the antidote to disconnection, the antidote to ego, the antidote to externally referencing our success and our worth. Like we can't do that anymore because the systems have temporarily disappeared and are being transformed. So what I feel like we're left with is the inside, the middle. Like, what are we? What what do we stand for? And why is this important? And, you know, whilst we're talking about these amazing fundraising efforts and this organization that you guys have created, I think what the bigger point is, is that maybe we're told as artists or we feel as artists that we have so little control over like what gig we get or what we can do or what power we can have or what we can share and i think like all bets are off like we are powerful and this is about reclaiming our voices i think you know amongst all the shitty terrible stuff that it is but like you do you know what i mean i do I think what this has done, who are you? Who are you without any of the things that define you to society? Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, I had to go to therapy to figure this out for six months. I went for one reason and I came out like giving myself permission to have a broader understanding of, of why I was placed in a position of of the arts and and why I needed to be a part of the arts community and why I know that a nine to five will never work for me. Mm. Even if it, you know, even if you need to do what you need to do to pay the bills, that's a different story. But, you know, self-esteem is the only thing that you get to own Mm. that, that we give away so freely. We do, don't we? uh, You know, 
and I, and I think if, if if there's one thing I learned I've learned about myself in the last year is that I gave that away very very liberally and unfortunately I lost uh, in the process of giving that away you lose your sense of uh, worth yeah Um, is 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 really has been great. So I think, I think I think we just need to embrace like who, who are we when the veil is dropped and all that's left is you. And if you want to sing, sing because you want to. And if you want to do whatever, do because you want to do it. And and I think we can let go of the oh I need to do this because of status. I need to do this competition because it means that this will happen. Because honestly, even if you win the competition, that might not happen. Anyway. Yes. And then you're just setting yourself up for disappointment, <laughs> and your expectation expectation is 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 the root of suffering a lot of the time. Mm. And uh, and I just think that now that we're all in this bizarre, terrible, frustrating pause, I think this is where the real work can begin. With if you're willing to to dig into yourself and explore what it means to be uh, an entity in this world. Oh my God, just yes, amen, sister. Um, yeah, yeah, it's so true. I love the idea of the like the veil dropping and be like and, and feeling like, well, what's what is left, and why do I have a voice in this space? There was something else I was going to say, and it it's it's um slipped my mind, but I'm sure we'll come back to it. Um, yeah, super powerful, super powerful. Thanks. Well, you know, I think it's it's um, from a personal perspective. I, I carried a backpack that had a lot of rocks in it for a very long time, and it wasn't until I set the box, the, the the backpack down, that I was able to like come to terms with 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 who I am, and and it was incredibly painful and incredibly difficult to do. And I spent a whole year um, trying to understand who I had become going through institution to institution and, oh, yeah. and uh, you know, program to program. And, and once I got off the rails and was able to look at what was happening, mm. that was when I realized that I had made some choices that were not in service of, of my well-being. And, and I, think, I, think, I think we're in a shift where it's time to really look at what is important to your well-being. And what do you need? What are your values and, and, and necessities? Um, and allowing those things to come forward. Yeah, massively. It sounds so poetic and, and silly when you say it, but, but there is a, there's, a, there's a truth in it that, that I, I really believe. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, you know, I'm in the same position as well, you know, for, for various reasons. It's like I, I had to really stop and be like, okay, what, what direction am I going in? And do I want this or is this just what, you know, I feel is expected, not even of me, but I expect of myself for all these reasons that don't belong to me or all these reasons that aren't about my deeper self and my deepest desire and my deepest value system. And I think for everyone, this is like when there is no noise, we're forced to look at what our life is composed of at its like fundamental level and 
I think we're forced to ask, like, does this does this meet up with my value system? Like, I acknowledge that we are, and listen of the listeners of this podcast are in a really privileged position to be asking ourselves those questions. Like, I imagine that most of us, although we're probably panicked and terrified and struggling and worried about how we're going to pay next month's rent in a lot of cases for artists, we are our fundamental basic human needs of, you know, food and warmth and safety are probably in most cases met. And I don't mean to undersell the people that feel like that their existence is really threatened because I know there will be those people too. But, you know, we are not in a Syrian refugee camp at this time, you know, where they have a bar of soap age. But I think because we are in that position, we must ask ourselves those questions. We must say... How can this be a time of transformation for me as an artist? That doesn't mean that we have to like, you know, feel super zen and be meditating for 24 hours a day and feel like this is my time of growth and I'm going to write a novel. It doesn't have to be that. If it is that for you, then that's awesome. But like transformation, as you and I both know, also involves a lot of crying, a lot of shadow facing, a lot of dark, a lot of grief, a lot of anger, a lot of like... I don't know, like eating cookies, like it, it is that too. But like, I think we are in this position where we're able to do that. And I feel like we must for whatever emerges on the other side. That's what I was going to say earlier. I have a really incredible mentor that talks about this idea of transformation over transaction. So I guess what that means is exactly what you were saying about like, we think if I win that competition, then that casting director is going to see me. If I do well in that audition, I'm going to get that job, which is going to lead to this. And if I sing well at that master, like it is an illusion and we need to prioritize transformation over that transaction. You know, of course there need to be basic transactions of I'm a professional singer. I need the transaction of I do my job. I get paid. I can pay my rent, but beyond that you know and i'm not saying you know if if people like to sing at home because it makes them feel purposeful then i'm so up for that as well and that's part of you know my day but you know if you don't want to create right now you don't have to create right now you know but i would prioritize what is a transformational space i can be in even if it hurts even if it's painful rather than that transactional kind of treadmill that we've all been on for so long do you know what i mean I do, I do. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I think that that's a really interesting perspective. Um, Yeah, I almost don't have anything to add to that because it just, you know, what difference is it going to really make if you post on Facebook what your accomplishments are? Yeah. Yeah, I think we've all done it. We all do it. We all continue to do it. But we we have to look at, like, you know, who, who are you serving? But of course, at the same time, you know, it's a delicate thing because at the same time, like you do need to be seen in in the circles as having accomplished things in order to be taken seriously. So it's like this delicate treadmill. But I think right now it's it's really important to 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 just exist with where you are. And if it means you're eating cookies and you haven't changed out of your sweatpants and you haven't showered in three days, so be it. <laughs> and you're right; there is a sense of privilege there, and we shouldn't ignore that. Um, but. But on the flip side, I think that what else can you do? You know, if you want to learn an opera, 
learn it. If you want to learn a new skill, learn a new skill. If you want to clean the whole house so you feel fresh, then then do it or or don't. And mm-hmm. and there's no. I, I think it's important that it, it speaks to the larger picture of the fact that like the whole point about artist relief tree is is the idea that we're all branches connected to the same tree and that mm-hmm. the roots are you know we're all connected by the same roots and this you know it's kind of it's kind of powerful that essentially like we're really becoming a collective unit and yeah. um and that's what artist relief tree sort of encapsulates with the imagery is mm-hmm. the imagery of like well we're all part of the same tree just separate branches yes and i think that's the framework for the you know that kind of facebook sharing thing it's like we all want to hear about each other's successes and achievements and but i think the underlying intention and framework changes you know it becomes how can i enrich and uplift and expand my community so that someone sees wow if she could do it or he could do it, maybe I can do that. You know, we've both had that conversation where I've seen stuff that you've done as a singer and a voiceover actor and, you know, saying, hey, this is all of who I am and I'm going to share it with the world. And in a way, I think sharing that comes from that space and comes with the understanding that we're all part of the same collective. We all want the same thing. We all want to enrich the world and put beauty into the world and empathy and make people understand and question the human experience whatever your reason for doing art is like i think the realization is for all of us at this time potentially there's a realization to really step into that place as you said the symbolism of like the tree we're all interconnected we are all part of the same living organism we all serve that same creation energy that belongs to the trees and the stars and the opera and the plays like and that's where the shift i think happens instead of i feel better because i'm telling people look what i've done it's like i want to share because i'm proud of this thing i've made or i want to share and someone else can think wow maybe i can be a violin playing tap dancing actress too you know like i think there's a big collective collective shift to be had and we're really we're witnessing that in action I mean, you look at someone like uh, Ryan McKinney, and he's, you know, he's started his YouTube channel. He's supporting us in the Agma Relief Fund, and I think other mm-hmm. charities as well. And um, his hashtag is "Keep the Music Going," mm-hmm. and every single video is is a different. He's with a different opera, a successful opera singer, and him and a pianist. They're all in different places in the world, and they create these charming, lovely videos. And shout out Ryan McKinney, fantastic singer mm-hmm. and person, and. Um, and I think like that's an example of like someone who loves to sing, and and that's how he's going to fill this gap in his spirit, you know, with whatever jobs. I believe he was doing at Don Giovanni, and and uh, you know they had to obviously leave that. And I think that was how he decided to fill that gap. Maybe your gap is is spent playing Animal Crossing. Love uh, you know what I mean? Animal like, Crossing. <laughs> I just think that there are so many things that, or 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 reading more yeah. or learning a new skill and and, um and i think that you know something you said earlier i think what we have to remember is that like when when you're sharing on facebook more often than not it's a the way that people are attracted to you it, it is is uh if you're doing something that like helps them right mm-hmm. and and i think if you're only posting about yourself which i think as singers um and I've done this, you know, we post about our achievement or whatever. 
And um, a lot of the times when you're building a business or, you know, it's certainly in the voiceover perspective, it's about how you can aid and help others. And that's how you gain um, clout or um, prestige even. And even that's a little bit of a shift. And I I think, like you said, I just think that we've arrived at a point where all of us as collective artists are, I don't think there's ever been a collective anxiety that's quite this severe in this generation. None of us were in World War II and none of us have experienced that. But I think this is equally painful for, you know, a generation, you know, in the United States that's been saddled with a recession and, you know, terrorism and and all these things, this is just another thing that's on the, the pile. And I think um, and I think we're really feeling a collective universal cry here. And um, and I just think we need to steward that kind of uh, compassion to everybody if we can. I love that. Yeah, I love that. And that also just reminds me of something that you were saying earlier kind of about Amanda Palmer and the fact that you'd reached out to her. I just want to give her a shout out because I mean she's amazing if you don't know her work listeners um have a look into it but particularly her work um in the fact it's supported by a patronage system a patreon um and you know she kind of really championed that when it was sort of a little bit taboo and a bit um of an unknown and she has a book called the art of asking and uh ted talk and the interesting thing for me is that and I've sort of just started reading her book and it's such a confronting idea as an artist to ask for help, to ask for support, financial and or otherwise. And I think, you know, what you guys are doing is amazing. You're asking for support from this place of like deep truth, honesty, vulnerability, need, kind of all of, all of those things that we're so scared to do um, as artists. And I think the more we can connect to that as individuals, I think the more powerful we will be going forward in a landscape of the arts that may look totally different. Funding may be totally different. Operation may be totally different. Like, I think that's just a really important thing to kind of put like a flag on the moon and be like, hey guys, this is a, this is an important model. Yeah. I mean, it feels like a paradigm shift has happened and I have no idea what it's going to look like in even two weeks, let alone six months or two months, you know, um, I think that, I think you can just feel it in the air that something has shifted. And I think, I think we all feel it. Um, and I think, I think we're arriving at a point where there is no shame in asking for help, whether that, you know, I've seen just so many people are doing this, you know, uh, what's it called? That therapy app where, you know, you can call in and you get your therapist on your phone. Like oh, for that, I mean, I'm sure they're making a killing right now. And um, mm-hmm. because people people need help, and, yeah. and I think we're, I think we're softening as a generation. I think we're softening as a society. I think we're softening as a culture. I think that we're softening as a, a, um, in, in, you know, a humanity. And um, I'm curious to see what's going to matter when yeah. this is all done. You know. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to matter, but I know that everything is definitely different. And, yeah. and the thing is, it's, it's a Buddhist principle, but we're not going back to the way it was. Mm. It's actually a religious principle too. I mean, you know, I forget what 
what psalm, but I used to listen to this all the time. And basically, like, David was asking God for protection, and, and he wasn't allowed to turn away. He wasn't allowed to go back, and the only... He wasn't allowed to stand still. The mm. only way he had to go was to go forward, um, and he was terrified. And uh, you know, and I've had my own periods that that always gave me comfort, knowing that you have to go forward through things rather yeah. than um, you know you just can't go back. And so you know, people are like, I "Can't wait for it to go back to normal." And, and I, I don't think I, it I, will. I, I, we're not going back to that normal. No, this is normal now, and then the next normal would be the next normal. And, and I, I truly, like, I mean, it, it, you know, it keeps me up at night sometimes because it's just like, well, what is it going to look like? And mm. um, and we just need to be ready for it, whatever it is. And totally. I, I think we're going to be okay. Yeah. But, and I feel like for me, it's like all bets are off. It, like we now, we get to be, like our creative industry needs us to be mindfully aware and present and compassionate and grace-led like it needs us now so whatever we need to do like the cookies or the learning operas or like going for runs like whatever we need to do like the world is going to need us ready our creative world our, our industry and the world beyond it you know and it's that thing of you say yeah it's the only way is through i think it's a um it, that's a psychology principle or a therapy principle as well it's like the only way you can get through that emotion is for you to experience it. You need to walk through it. So I feel like we all need to do whatever we need to do to feel this stuff deeply and then be like, well, what's important? On the other side, what am I going to fight for? You don't have to fight for it now, but six months time, 12 months time, if you're like, I really want to fight for, you know, better pay systems or, you know, rehearsal pay or, um, you know, better support or better childcare for the arts or like, whatever it is that you're about, better mental health support for artists. Like, yeah. think about what you're going to fight for and and make yourself ready because I think there will be a time where we get to choose. Yeah, I think so too. And I think the days of, the days of just saying yes and thank you and all right, I'll do whatever you want, I think those days are gone. I think yeah. those days are gone for artists and I think there's going to be a great deal of ownership and I think there's going to be a lot more collaboration. And that's my hope. Um, but there won't be any divos or divas in any in any aspect of, of certainly about performing arts. And I think that we're going to see that there's a unification of um, of identity, cu- cultural identity, yeah, and artistic identity, um, and innovation and imagination and all those kinds of things. Yeah, I mean, you go to TikTok right now, and it's, it's yeah. completely like it's it's it's. <laughs> I mean, like people are making stuff that I can't, I couldn't even fathom, you know. And, <laughs> and it, it's interesting as a, as a creative, it's interesting to see others really tapping into their own creativity. Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, oh, you're a wonder. I've just realised it's on the hour. Do you have to disappear now? No, I, 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 maybe in fifteen minutes. Beautiful. Well, let's keep jabbering. Um, I'll just check back on my list to see. Um, yeah it's it's all of that stuff like well what i mean what i'd love to ask you is we've we've really kind of covered a lot of it but what what i've written down is what would be your dreams for our industry moving forward 
and our artists like what do you personally if we're talking about what do we fight for at the end of this like um or what do we what do we mindfully prioritize i think is probably the better action for you what is that for me it's it's simply wellness because because uh my path led me down a path led me down you know an area that ultimately i was unhappy with and i needed to make um mental and psychological adjustments in order to to better own my self right so i'm i'm hoping that moving forward people not only will they fight for for ownership over their their decisions but but also um fight for their wellness and and then no no job you don't need to say yes and i think i think we're I think we're going to move away from, yes, I will. Mm-hmm. And we're going to move into, is that what's best for me? Yeah. And I think, uh, I think as a young, young opera singers, I think, uh, that's a very dangerous trap to fall into. Um, and I, and I, I hope that, and I know so many other people that have done it. Um, and I, I guess it's such a big question that I don't necessarily know or have like the authority to say, but I definitely, would hope that people would would allow themselves to be to embrace their needs more because I think as young singers and, and I think like now you know being on the other side of 30 I think um, 30 does something to you it's very odd <laughs> and, it, and it makes you it makes you like okay well what do I what do I value what do I prioritize and what's yeah. important and for some people, it's starting family. For some people, it's saying no. For other people, it's, is this what I want? For other people, it's like, how do I become a more well-rounded artist while also, you know, still holding on to my identity as an art a performer? Or do I need to hold on to that identity? Yeah. And, is that just um, an illusion that we're holding? Well, I can't possibly be, you know, a tap dancing violin player. Like, actually, why, why can't I be? You can. And that's the part. I, I, think, mm. I think that's what we forget because opera opera specifically um and i know that your audience is diverse but opera in particular is such a um on the rails you do this you do this you do this path and i think we're going to start to see i hope we start to see people that are so assured of who they are as human beings that they realize that even if they love opera with all their hearts opera is not who they are it's what they choose to do Amen. Insert any yeah. artistic profession here, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, and I just, you know, I didn't do that until recently, and, and I'm still struggling with it when I think about it. But I've been able to add this other component, which makes me very happy, and, and I'm willing to see, I'm willing to see them both in tandem until one of them overtakes the other, and then I follow. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I've been lucky, and, and I've had to make some personal choices about how much I wanted to follow path a or path b but you know i i think i think uh it doesn't matter how old you are we're all very young even if we're 70 years old there's mm-hmm. there we can be young and and i think that's been i wished away my 20s because i was so desperately trying to get to my year you know as a tenor especially my year what's my year when's my year 25 oh this will be the year i win all the competitions oh they won all the competitions 26 this will be the year. No, I wasn't. Twenty-seven. This will be the year. And then by the time I blinked, I was thirty. You know, and I had a a total like 
this, you know, mess up in my brain. And I realized, holy crap, like, I just wished away a decade. And I, and I don't know, it's peculiar. So I'm trying to really hold tight to this decade as like, you know, when you're 30, everything is at your fingertips. I don't think it matters what age you are, but, but at 30, there's, there's, I think as millennials, there's like, um, I always talk with my friends about this, that I do all the stuff I did when I was 22, but now I'm mature and that confuses me. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I feel you. It's like, I often think, well, if I but just people, went back and did that now with the consciousness that I have now and you're like, but that's not the way it works. Like, you know, I have, the, it's like an awareness springs, uh, into place or something like a new lens. Yeah. Um, you know, I think sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like, wow, I'm 32 years old. Like, I don't, if you're not, I don't actively think about it, but then you see how different things are and you start to see like the years kind of go behind you and you, and you, there's a, there's a little bit of a maybe beautiful melancholy over the <laughs> fact that the things that, the things that you're doing now that you maybe did then, uh, it's, it's just different. It's a different energy, like you said, and, mm. and it's a different sort of, I don't know, that's waxing poetic, but. No, I, no, I so get you. Yeah. No, I absolutely get you. Well, so it's, I don't know, I'm grateful to be, I guess it's woke. You know, I'm grateful that I've mm. become woke or what one portion of woke. And the thing <laughs> is, you know, I remember I talked to my German teacher and I asked her, so are you, are you still afraid of all the things you were afraid of? when you were younger and she goes yes but different and I was like what (laughs) yeah you know yes but different and I think that that's I think that that's you know what we're experiencing now I was gonna say I feel like that's our mantra right now yes but different and also like suddenly our whole you know we're thinking about time and age and time passing and we're suddenly plunged into, I think in your 20s, it's very much like in the future when I, and I'll do this because of this transaction. And then just kind of at whatever stage of that going, and and I think everyone's collectively forced into it right now to go, all we have is this moment. And I have a mentor that would just always say that to me. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. All we have is this moment, mindfulness, I'll meditate. Like I'm a big meditator, mindfulness person. But I don't think I really got it until like at various stages shit has gone down in my life. And it's just like, oh, all we have is now. Like for me, getting back to my family when I was on the other side of the world doing a contract, like I had to be like, all I have is this moment. I can make a decision now. I can get on this plane now. Okay. Like this crisis for all of us is like the news changes in two hours. So all you have is right now. What are you going to do with the moment you have right now? Because there is nothing that you can do to transact your way out of this. Um, you know? Yeah. And, and there is the, the feeling that... Um, I lost my train of thought, so... Um, <laughs> there is that feeling that, like, there's a lot of pushback emotionally you know and 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 i feel it at night i I get a little bit anxious these days because it's like you know like you you think about all the hospitals that are occupied and you're like well what happens if something happens to me like what what if i have to go to the doctor and i can't yeah especially in um, the u.s like with healthcare there it's a total mind fuck can i say that yes (laughs) you go for it (laughs) (laughs) so 
so you know you, you you sort of just have to like you're right you can only do what's now and 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 i think when you're forced to do that it's really jarring and and i but it's, it's also very beautiful once you allow yourself to just yeah. release with it and I, and I do think that you know we yes everything is normal but it's different and I think that's really the takeaway and, yeah. and I think why something like artist relief tree has to exist mm. because everything is the same but it's also very different oh, I and, love uh, it that's like the logo for <laughs> our times yeah yes but different <laughs> yeah that's totally. I mean that's fascinating and uh, yeah I mean I think I think that there's like peace in that I, I'm, I'm searching for it every day and I, and I also mm-hmm. think that you know I, I think to circle all the way back I think once we let go of the veneer of whatever we're trying to showcase what's left is you hmm and you can't you can't fake your way out of this one yeah you know and i hope we see people sharing what is you you know like there's obviously different layers of that that we share with different people in our lives but i hope that we walk out as artists going this is me and this is what i'm sharing not the veneer not not publicizing the veneer well it's it's, you know it's funny because no one actually ever really, no one knows who you are because everyone perceives you differently. Mm. So no one actually knows who you are. So if you can know who you are to the best of your ability from your perspective, that will be the right one because literally everyone, like the way that they perceive you, it doesn't matter if you're, it's your best friend or your mother or your father or your partner. Oh no, I've lost your voice. Uh-oh. Oh, you're back. So you said yeah. um, it doesn't matter if it's your mother or your father or your best friend or your lover, and then I just saw your beautiful face moving. <laughs> uh, they'll never really know who you are yeah. because they only know the perceived version of who you are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so now is the time to like really unfold and understand who you are. Unfold, you know? I love that, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's highfalutin stuff, and it, it is difficult. Um, a book I cannot recommend enough is the David Burns Feeling Good Handbook. Um, ah, awesome! I was going to say, know, any practices or any books or anything that people can connect to. I mean, the Feeling Good Handbook I did in tandem while I was doing therapy over the summer, and I gave myself a little bit like of a retreat personally. And uh, the Feeling Good Handbook is amazing because he's the he's the father father of cognitive behavioral therapy. Oh yeah, love that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he, you know, talks about should statements and talks about all these things that we say it all the time. You know, I should, I shouldn't be doing that. Well, you're automatically shaming yourself, and it's going to make you want. It's it automatically places resistance on you. And uh, I was a big meditator for about two and a half years, but I don't know. I, uh, I think I was. I just needed a good solid therapy. So, you know yeah, what I mean? I like I had, I had six months of therapy once a week, and I, I could have gone for longer, but I really felt like I was at a point where I. I went in because I wanted to fix some anxiety-related things, especially pre-performance rituals. Mm. But 
in the end, I came out with a sense of understanding my worth and self-esteem, which yeah. honestly, yes. you can't really put a price on that. Totally, yeah. Or, 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 you know, what's more important, how you do a pre-performance ritual or how you view your entire existence, yeah. you know, so. Yes, <laughs> so true, so, so true. I mean, yeah. Oh, you are a total joy. Thank you so much, so much for speaking to us. Um, just to wrap up, do you want to just say one sentence about who you are? Just be like, hey, I'm Marco, blah, blah, blah. Hi, Marco. I, right now I'm a voice actor and an opera singer, and I'm excited about it. My website is www.marcocamvo.com. I'm, I'm really excited about this like kind of chapter in my life. I, I'm still an opera singer, and I have some gigs coming up as well, but I'm really looking forward to blending these two loves. And, and uh, yeah, that's, that's who I am. I, I love dogs, and I, I love video games, and I love eating. And, amazing uh, and, yes. uh, you know all that stuff <laughs> oh i so feel you well thank you my soul friend for chatting today it's been a total joy and for listeners we're gonna have a whole bunch more of these conversations totally raw in um as you can hear the boomiest room of all time um i'll try and like hang some blankets on the wall um but yeah we're gonna have heaps more of these conversations just to keep you company i'm gonna be releasing some of the stuff i've already produced for the rest of season one um and we're gonna have some bonus content like this so listen out for that and we'll see you soon well hear you soon bye